0: And that is the omnipresence of God. Or if it was a Dr. Seuss book title, it would be God is here, God is there, God is everywhere. (laughs) So let me read Psalm 139, verse 7 to 11. So Psalm 139, verse 7 to 10 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. And in verse 11, I particularly like the Passion Translation version. It says, it's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. You know, recently, um, my grandkids were down for Christmas, and um, I took Ali to the park. It was New Year's Eve. It was quite late, so we were actually the only ones there, and I commented this to him. I said, wow, Ali, you know, we're the only ones in this park, and he says to me, no, we're not. We're not alone. God's here, because God is everywhere <laughs> <laughs> out of the mouth of babes. The omnipresence of God is the desire of a holy God to dwell among mortals. His presence is in every place and every time. He really is here. The reason God created us was actually for relationship. He says in Isaiah 45 verse 18, God did not create the earth to be empty, but to be inhabited. And throughout the Bible, he says time and time again, I am your God and you are my people. In Revelation 21 verse 3, says and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So strap yourselves in, come on a ride with me, let's go. So we'll start at the very beginning. God walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he enjoyed a really lovely friendship with them until one day they did something that God told them not to do, and they hid from him. So when he came the next day and he was looking for them, they were nowhere to be found. And he asked the first recorded question in the Bible, which is, where are you, where are you? And in Hebrew, this word is actually ayeka, which is more than just your location. He knew exactly which bush they were hiding behind, but he was meaning it more as, where are you in relation to where I am? Man's sin separated him from God, and ever since then, God has been working to restore that relationship. So let's go a little bit on with the story, and we see the Israelites, God's people, journeying through the wilderness. Which they did when they left Egypt on their way to the Promised Land. And it took them 40 years, and they were wandering around in the wilderness. And God spoke to Moses and instructed him to build a dwelling place for him, which was the tabernacle. And this was to be like a portable tent, which would carry his presence with them wherever they went. He says to Moses, Oh, sorry, and in that tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctuary would be the Ark of the Covenant. God told Moses in Exodus 25, verse 22, there above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the Covenant, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. Sorry, we've done a whole study on this, haven't we, (laughs) Wendy? It's just an amazing thing that God did to really meet with his people. Um, The story continues, and sadly, Moses doesn't make it to the promised land. But Joshua has the honor of carrying the precious Ark of the Covenant across the Jordan River. And when he gets to the other side, he erects a tabernacle in um, Shiloh, which was about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. And here is where the Ark of the Covenant remained for about the next 400 years. And during this time, which was the terrible time of the judges, um, God's people, sadly, turned their back on God completely and they worshipped heathen idols, And even though the Philistines were raiders of the lost ark, they did actually return it after being tormented by plagues, but God's presence never did return. And the tent was nothing more than a shell without the glory of God. God did reveal himself to chosen few faithful servants, but never again in a sanctuary until he rose up a man after his own heart, David, Who is also the author of our psalm today. David longed to build a dwelling place for God, a glorious dwelling for his God. And he chose the site, which was um, in Mount Moriah, known as the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. But God granted his desire through his son, Solomon. And the temple was completed in about 1000 B.C., And um, it remained for about 400 years before the Babylonians destroyed it. Another temple was rebuilt in its place. um, And all that's remaining of that temple, because that temple was destroyed by the Romans, all that's remaining is the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. So if you go to Israel or Jerusalem today, you can still visit the Western Wall. Um, And in its place, actually, is now a gold-topped mosque called the Dome of the Rock, sadly. And then, the greatest day in history, Jesus comes on the scene in the form, well, to to actually physically be with the people. It was no longer a temporary dwelling place for the presence of God. He was here. He really came. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus' name was Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus makes the ultimate sacrifice to restore his relation, to, to restore our relationship with God, his precious blood shed to make a way for the Holy Spirit to take up residence in our hearts. Jesus tells his disciples, it's better that I go because then I will send the helper, or in the message translation he's called the friend, and he will be with you forever. Jesus could only be at one place at one time, but Now the Spirit can be with us as our friend and helper all the time, everywhere we go. 1 John 4 verse 15 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. The word abides means lives, makes his home or remains. And the Message Translation puts it, Participating continually in an intimate relationship with God. I love Paul's benediction to the Corinthians where he says, May the the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So how do we have this fellowship with the Holy Spirit, this intimate friendship? We love to host his presence, you know. We love to invite his presence, I should say. But actually, do we host his presence well? Well, I think to host the Holy Spirit well, we need to first think of him and see him as a person and not a thing or a force. You know, he is the third person of the Trinity. We need to talk to him, to welcome him, thank him, worship him like we have been this morning. Be thirsty for him. Be aware that he is with you. Turn your attention and affection towards him listen to him, really commune with him, sit with him, enjoy his presence. For me, many years ago, I read a book by Benny Hen called Good Morning Holy Spirit, and that really changed my relationship or my interaction with the Holy Spirit. I really started making him a part of my everyday life. You know, it says in that book that he longs to commune with me, and I am um, started just really trying to practice his presence it sounds like a bit of a cliche but it is true it's he's with us all the time and just being aware that he's with us in our everyday life just include him in all your conversations and your decisions and share what's going on in your life with him um that just yeah just keep that in mind when you want to host him well where am i I find um, prayer and reading my Bible and actually just meditating on particular verses throughout the day really helps me to stay in touch with him. Um, I find, too, actually our prayer at Lynn's place on a Friday morning, we have a women's prayer meeting, and I just love the presence of the Holy Spirit there, and um, I just feel that he talks to me. And you know, So put yourself in a position to, to interact with him in your everyday life, and What a wonderful guest the Holy Spirit is. He's not demanding. He's gentle and full of grace. He wants to help us, guide us, comfort us, counsel us, be our advocate, give us a nudge when we need it. He convicts us, but he never condemns us. He always points us to Jesus and always aims to bring glory to God. Like any good guest, the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us. And how does he talk to us? Well, sometimes prophetically, but mostly through the pages of the Bible. You know, he inspired the word of God, and he wants, I believe it's alive and active. In fact, it's so alive that this thing has just taken a shape of its own, really. Um, So spend time in the word, and that's how he's going to speak to you. If your Bible remains shut, it doesn't give him opportunity, does it? So whether you listen to it, whether you. Read it, whether you watch it, just do it, because that's how he's going to speak to you. To host the Holy Spirit well, we have to pursue holiness and not entertain the enemy. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, God's temple is holy and you are the temple. Let's not live with unrepentant sin, Let's pursue purity, holiness, and obedience. I know those sound like old-fashioned words, but God's standards haven't changed. The Holy Spirit will convict you, but he will also empower you to change. We certainly can't do it in our own strength. And Paul warns us not to quench the Spirit. In Ephesians 4, verse 30, he says, do not grieve God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you. Isn't it scary, actually, to think that the God of the universe, the God who sustains the universe, can actually be somehow restricted or quenched by what I say or do? It's a scary thought. I wonder how many of our excuses for sin would actually evaporate if we consider the holiness of the one who lives in us. And so we should desire to be the best hosts of the Holy Spirit that we can possibly be. Now, many of you may not know this, but I am a super host on Airbnb. (laughs) So we rent our rooms upstairs. You might not know that. And um, I have attained super host status due to the feedback that I've received from guests who stayed with me over the last year. They rate me, you know, after they stay with me. They rate me on things like cleanliness and um, communication. But, you know, when we have guests in our home, the first thing that we have to remember is being aware that they're there. Because so often, you know, Glenn will shout down the passage, make me some tea! LAUGHTER <laughs> Or, you know, we shout at the dog. Or, like, you just forget all people leave our life group. And, you know, we go shouting down the passage and you just suddenly, oh, shh. So that's the first thing is to be aware of their presence. (laughs) Another thing we have to do is be considerate and attentive to their needs. Make them feel welcome. You know, think about the environment that we're creating. Is it clean? Very important. Is it, clut- is it uncluttered? You know? Is it um, hot? Too cold? Is it stinky? Is it noisy? <laughs> we have to think about all these things. And, um, you know, Glenn will make sure that it's never stinky because <laughs> if any of you know Glenn, he loves his sense. So he loves Reed diffusers or scented candles, <laughs> and Glenn puts scented p- puts reed diffusers on every conceivable platform. Yep. So if you ever stay in our Airbnb, you will fall asleep enveloped with French vanilla <laughs> wafting through. But how much more awesome? How much more awesome? That's not good English, is it? How how much, oh, I have said how much more awesome, (laughs) would it be to qualify for super host status by hosting the Holy Spirit? What a privilege it is to host God's presence. But how prepared are we? How warm and welcoming? How is our communication? Is our house clean? Are we honoring and considerate to our most worthy guest? Do we realize his worth? And do we realize how much it's cost him to be there? One day when we leave this temporary tent and we enter our heavenly home, wouldn't it be amazing if Jesus greets us with, well done, you good and faithful servants. Thank you for hosting me so well. I have loved doing life with you. But what about the times in your life when you don't feel God's presence with you? and you feel like he's far away. I remember when Morgan was a teenager, he used to say to me, you know, some mum, when I pray, I just feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. And that's how we can feel sometimes. We just don't feel like God is with us, and we don't hear his voice. We may ask, God, where are you? I think there are two scenarios for this type of feeling. The first is when you actually choose to walk away from God, as I did when I was doing my gap year in London when I was 21. But like the prodigal son, I went my own way. I rebelled against God. I completely went off the tracks. And I was very lost. Um, And I cried out to God, actually, at a really low point while I was there. And I felt like in Psalm 40 where he says, I lifted you out of a pit, I placed you on solid rock, and I put a new song in your mouth. That's what I felt he did for me. And when I came back to South Africa after that horrible year, I recommitted my life to him. And um, I repented, turned my life around. And with his grace and um, with his help, I lived differently. But there's another way, you know, that we can feel lost. And that is when it's not necessarily our choice and not necessarily sin that's caused it. But you just feel like you're in a spiritual kind of wilderness and I'm sure we've all experienced seasons like this in our life before. You just, um, you just don't, don't, don't think God is anywhere near you, and you don't hear him talking to you anymore. Job knew this season well when he cried out in Job 23, verse 8 and 9, Look, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. And when he turns to the right, I cannot see him. At times like this, when you don't feel God's felt or manifest presence, you need to lean into his promises, because he has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. This is the omnipresence of God. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, behold, you are there. Do you know that one of God's names is Jehovah Shammah, which means God is there? So if you believe what scripture says and you trust God is who he says he is, the reality is that no matter what happens or how you feel, God is with you. And he never stops working in your life, whether you see it or not. So continue to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Seek him and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and abide in him and he will abide in you. As we've taken this journey, we have seen throughout the pages of the Bible that God is pursuing you. He passionately is pursuing you. I think we sang about that earlier. If you're struggling and not feeling God's presence, remember this incredible story of God's plan to be with you. He loves you so much. In closing, I asked God to give me like a prophetic word or picture to share with you this morning, ask him to speak to you, and he actually gave me a dream. It was quite a simple dream, and it was of someone getting onto the wrong bus, and it took them in the direction completely opposite to where they wanted to go, and they, they were very lost, and they were in unfamiliar territory. And I felt God ask his original question to you. you know, Where are you? Don't keep going in the wrong direction. Get off the bus. So if you feel that God is prompting you about something in your life that may be contrary to his will, something that you know you shouldn't be doing, that's not God's best for you, don't keep going down that track. Recognize the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Speak to someone Be accountable to someone, and with the Spirit's help, do something about it. Now, amazingly enough, God has just kept speaking to me the whole time that I've been preparing this, but after I would written this, I was reading on Thursday in my daily devotional, Nikki Gumbel's Bible in a Year, and the commentary I read, which confirms this dream and what I feel God is saying through it, I'll read it to you. Every time we go off track or in the wrong direction, the Holy Spirit convicts us. We sense in our spirit that we are, what we are doing is not right. The Holy Spirit never condemns us. He convicts us to repent and then to go in the right direction. He guides, sustains, and strengthens you and me to become more like Jesus. Jesus. And amazingly enough, again, this morning, we had a guest who was going bird-watching in Worrywood wetlands, and he left at like four o'clock this morning and woke me up. But I was lying there really concerned that he wouldn't get on the right bus, because he was catching a bus to the Worrywood wetlands. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, does he actually know where to go, what bus to, what bus to catch? And I felt God drop in my spirit that actually there's a step that you have to take before you get onto that wrong bus, and that is being at the right bus stop, because I was concerned that he wouldn't know what bus stop to get onto, and I felt God just dropped that in my spirit this morning, so I feel like that's fresh food for you, but are you at the right bus stop? You know, are we positioned in the place where God wants us to go? Because if you're not positioned in that right place, you'll go potentially in the wrong direction. So what is, how is he positioning you today? Um to go forward in what God has for you, and maybe us as a church as well. Like, How are we positioned to move forward on the right bus? And then just in closing, I'd like to read the last um, couple of verses from my psalm, Psalm 139, which I think sums it all up really nicely. God, I invite your search... Oh, sorry, this is a Passion Translation as well. I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is a path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you.